We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. I want them to not only know that it's okay to make mistakes, but that I want them to make mistakes. And that's the only way that they're going to get better is by making mistakes. I don't think when I was in school, I was ever really taught that mindset of, you're going to get better, but you can only get better once you make mistakes. You're not just going to get better for the sake of getting better. You, you have to make mistakes along the way. So I always make sure to share that with my students that we're going to grow, but there's going to be a lot of mistakes made along the way and we're going to work through them together. And we can't get stressed out when we don't get something right away because that's part of learning and you're not always going to get it right away. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Carrie Pitstick is a seventh grade English language arts and math teacher in Illinois. She also coaches track and field. Carrie is the director of digital content for the Teach Better team. She graduated from Illinois State University in 2015 with a bachelor's in middle level education and American College of Education in 2018 with a master's in curriculum and instruction. Carrie has known she wanted to teach at the middle level since she was in middle school herself. One of her main missions is to provide a safe and friendly environment for students to explore their passions as learners and as people. Carrie is an avid reader, spending most of her free time reading and writing, and she hopes to share that passion with all those around her, students and adults alike. I'm happy to welcome Carrie to the podcast today because um, she teaches English and picked up a math course, which we talked about this coming year. And I happen to be married to another English teacher at the middle level. So I'm excited to hear her take on things and, and how leaders can better support those they lead. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You know, one of the things that that stood out in your bio is the idea of director of digital content for the Teach Better team. Could you just take a little bit of time and explain to our listeners what exactly that is? I mean, we hear a lot about digital content. We hear a lot about directors. How does that work and what is that about? So my role on the Teach Better team is that I am primarily in charge of our blogging department. So I coordinate with our guest bloggers. I work with our blogs and get them scheduled onto our website. I oversee um, a team of editors. We have a blogging community that we host events for every few months. 
pretty much everything on the team that is involving with the blog. And so the digital content piece is really relating to us publishing blogs. We do have vlogs at times. So really everything in that blog section of our website is part of what I do. So that's where that title of director of digital content comes from. Oh, cool. So, I mean, there's your passion for, I mean, if you're doing all those blogs, you got to really have a passion for reading, right? Reading and writing. Yes. I, I love that I get to take one of my biggest passions in education and have that be something that I do in my time outside of the classroom as well with adults. Cool. And, you know, you mentioned passion and one of the things that I, I definitely wanted to ask you about, because I think this is so critical in today's classrooms is you're passionate about that safe environment for exploration, Mm -hmm. right? So that big, that falls under that big risk-taking umbrella, which is important for students, important for teachers and important for leaders. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about creating that in your classroom for students? So I guess for me, I'll start with like the inspiration of why that's so important to me. When I was in middle school, I feel like my entire school career, everything that I remember about it was just based on feelings of anxiety and needing to do well and not letting myself fail. And so when I have my students in my classroom, I want to make sure I'm not letting that happen to them. I don't want them to feel anxious. I want them to not only know that it's okay to make mistakes, but that I want them to make mistakes. And that's the only way that they're going to get better is by making mistakes. I don't think when I was in school, I was ever really taught that mindset of you're, you're going to get better, but you can only get better once you make mistakes. You're not just going to get better for the sake of getting better. You, you have to make mistakes along the way. So I always make sure to share that with my students that we're going to grow but there's going to be a lot of mistakes made along the way and we're going to work through them together. And we can't get stressed out when we don't get something right away because that's part of learning and you're not always going to get it right away. So I do a lot of um, like different explanations with students and I do a lot of explaining about the fact that you have to make mistakes in order to become better. So I'm assuming, I mean, clearly you probably model that in the classroom as well. And we hear a lot about that because if you do a lot of talking about it, I mean, Mm -hmm. sure, students here, but you know, if you're just talking and then it's something different, it doesn't matter. Right. And I, I notice, you know, and that's what I hear a lot with leaders as well. Oh, well, we'll model it. But Mm -hmm. beyond modeling, you, you as a teacher kind of run into the same thing. I mean, teaching is a profession that could be rife with anxiety Mm -hmm. as to how you're doing with the students and things like that. What are some ways a leader can help teachers with that mindset? I think a leader just needs, and I know like modeling can only go so far, but I think the leader has to essentially model it too. And I think that as a teacher, we are so keen on trying to do everything perfect, even though we don't expect the same thing for our students, we hold ourselves to a different standard. And I think if a leader can say, hey, I messed up or hey, you know, we made a mistake, we're going to work through it. I do think in that regard, modeling is probably the best method, at least for myself to feel comfortable with messing up is when I see other people around me okay with it as well. And really just allowing us to embrace the crazy disaster that it is from when you're trying to get from point A to point B on something. Yeah. So now you, you may do this and I, I don't know if you do this or not, but how can a leader, I mean, because it takes a certain amount of trust, how can a leader get a teacher to invite them in to help them take risks or to watch them take risks? You're doing something new, you know, it might go awry. 
because I think that is a really good opportunity for a leader to show that it's okay to take risks, obviously, mm-hmm. if they handle the outcome right. Right. How do you go about that? Or how can leaders get a teacher willing to do that? I think it's important for them to be a part of the learning community on a regular basis before a teacher is like, hey, come see this lesson. So I have had administrators before where they are very present in the classroom. They are involved with my particular learning community. And it is those people that I'm more willing to say, hey, I'm trying this lesson I've never done before. It's probably going to go awful. I would like you to come in and observe it and maybe give me some feedback from your perspective and see if you have any advice for me. Um, I've done that before, but again, it's really with the people that I know already kind of know how our classroom normally is so that if they were to come in and see something not go well, I'm comfortable knowing that they know that this is not the norm. So I think for them, just to be present in the learning community on a regular basis is how you can kind of build that trust to get people to be comfortable with a situation where it might not go as planned. So in other words, get out of the office and get in the classrooms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I, I am not an administrator, so I can't tell other people, like, obviously they have a lot of responsibilities. I cannot imagine the amount of things on a single plate that they have of responsibilities on a given day. But I just know from experience that I love when people come into the classroom and just be a part of it. Um, my current principal, he was not with us the last couple of years. He's back with us now. He, a couple of years ago, we were doing an activity with students and they were finding like their favorite quote about reading. And he walks into my classroom and just is kind of observing how things are going for the day. And he sits down at a table with students and writes his own quote and turns one into me to hang on the wall. And so I think just anytime that they can just be an active participant in your community, you're gaining that trust with your staff and the students too, which I think is so important. You know what I love about what you just did is you took the idea of just getting out of the classroom and getting or getting out of the office and getting into the classroom to that second step of it's not just about standing in the corner of a classroom. You need to get involved. Mm-hmm. You need to be actively involved in what's going on. Right. So it, it makes a huge difference. And the students notice it too. They thought that like that instance, they thought that was the coolest thing. And I think that was just one of the coolest things that a leader could do to show support of staff and students. You know, I, I think you, I think you're going to have a really valuable answer for this for a lot of people because a teacher by default is already actively involved in the classroom. And mm-hmm. as the year goes on, they're always there. So they have that ability to encourage students through modeling to make mistakes mm-hmm. and to be comfortable making mistakes and, and that messy process that is learning and education. Right. So say I walk into your classroom. It's the first day. So it's a new set of students. Maybe they heard about you. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. they all heard good things. Nobody heard anything <laughs> negative. Um, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's that perfect first day or first three days look like in your classroom where you're just initially building that idea of make mistakes? Could you walk us through that? Yeah, I think for me, before we even get to anything with the content, I spend so much time the first couple of days just getting to know them as people, letting them get to know me as a person, getting comfortable with the classroom and explaining where all the things are in the classroom. And I think before we even get to those conversations about being okay with making mistakes, I have to let them get to know me as a person. I have to open up and tell them about myself. I have to ask them questions about themselves. So we really just spend the first couple of days 
just getting familiar with each other in the classroom. And then once we kind of establish that foundation, then we can start getting into those conversations about how, you know, everyone's going to learn at different paces. There's going to be mistakes made. And I think once you build that conversation into your daily routine of like when you're teaching and when you're doing activities, I think that kind of eventually becomes instilled in their mind. But I think definitely the first couple of days, I really don't talk ELA or any type of content because I just need to get them comfortable in the classroom first. And that is based on just getting to know them as people really. Perfect. Let's take it a let's take it a step further because I'll I'll tell you what, when I was in the classroom, you know, I think back to when I first got into teaching and when I was doing that, how I really wish I could go mm-hmm. back and, and fix some of the things I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so say I'm a teacher, I've gone the first, you know, month uh, of school and I haven't done what you did. Uh, I, I went into the content. I, I still gave lip service and things like that to the idea of you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You just have to kind of pull up your boots. You know, how do I do a first day comeback or a first week comeback? So I went this first month. I didn't really do that. And I noticed that, you know, students are, there's a little bit of more anxiety in the class. Students are maybe not performing as well as they possibly could. How do I come back from that month? Is there a, are there any strategies I could use or that you could share with the listeners? Yeah, I would just, if I had someone approach me with that question, I would really just advise them just to be authentic. And it's never too late to get to know your students. So if you maybe dove right into content in the beginning of the year and didn't take as much time as you should have to build a foundation and get to know them, you can pause a day and I'm going to say, okay, tomorrow I'm not going to teach an ELA lesson or a math lesson. We're going to do a team building activity. We're going to do a classroom building activity. I think those are things that where some people say, oh, I can't give up a day of instruction. But the time that you're giving up to do some type of community building activity, you're that's an investment of your time that's going to pay out for the rest of the year. So I feel like for me, even though I do spend time at the beginning of the year really trying to get to know students, there are days throughout the year where I kind of push my ELA lesson to the side and we just do a random like team building activity or some kind of game as a class just to kind of reset and keep building that community. Because yeah, it's taking a day of instruction away, but I also feel like that is something that is going to pay out for the future. And it is so worth it every single time. So go slow to go fast. Is that what I just heard? Yeah, exactly. Yep. (laughs) Played out through relationships. Yes, that is my main thing. I think students know when you actually care about them and it makes a world of difference. It it really does. So blow that up for teachers um, and leaders. So say I'm say I'm a leader in charge of a school and I want my teachers to have less anxiety. I want them to be less concerned about the, the march of time to get through that dreaded curriculum map. How do I get that across or support teachers in the process of stepping back in their teaching? Or how do I even engage them in the idea to do that? I think so many times when we have like a staff meeting or an email that goes out, if all of the emails are just constantly based on like data and test scores and all this stuff, then that's what people are going to focus on. And I know that talking can only get you so far, but I do think that if if you're wanting your staff to really embrace that, then you have to make sure that you're making time for that. So maybe in a staff meeting, instead of talking about X, Y, or Z that is on the agenda, maybe for that staff meeting, you have people do like an ed camp style of like, 
how do you get to know your students halfway through the year? Like you already know them, but what are some activities that you can do to keep knowing them or to like build the classroom community so that students know each other and get along with one another? And I think the more that you can provide teachers time to do that and really just honing in on that message. I think that's where teachers are going to take that and run with it. I just feel like so many times we get so bogged down with there's emails about these test dates coming up and then it's the staff meeting is to prepare for how to administer said test. And I think just taking that aside and just focusing on what you want to focus on will then allow teachers to do the same. Awesome. So you've, you've talked about, you know, the idea of just to recap real quick to make sure I'm, I'm catching every, all the good stuff you're saying. Mm-hmm. You focused on the idea of you're not starting right off with curriculum. You're building those relationships because then your modeling mm-hmm. of risk taking is so much more powerful and that leaders that people seem to focus on what you talk about the most or email the most about. And so you need to provide teachers time and a framework in which they can mm-hmm. actually do this. Yes. So say all of this is firing on all cylinders and I walk into this school that's following all your advice. What does that look like? What does the, the perfect school of risk taking look like for students and staff in your opinion? I would say, so if you were to walk into a classroom I would love to see an environment of students who are able to kind of work independently, are willing to ask each other for help, are willing to ask questions. And when something doesn't go right, you can see maybe not a level of frustration, but a level of curiosity where they're not like, oh, I don't understand what's going on. And then they get frustrated, but rather they have a question about something and they're going to be an active participant in trying to figure out the answer and working together. And I just feel like so many times in school, students are kind of the like trained to be like, here's what we're going to learn. I'm going to teach it to you. And now you have to show me that you've learned it. And if you don't show me, you're behind. And I feel like teachers sometimes accidentally kind of give off that like vibe of like, here's what you have to know by the end of the day today but the timeline of learning is not always that realistic. So I think just for teachers to continue to reinforce to students that they're not always going to get something on the first try, but rather than getting frustrated with it, let's figure out how we can try to learn it a different way. What you're saying is so important for everybody listening because that's great for teachers in the classroom. And I think about leaders, how they can approach that with teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, so often there's, and, and I mean, okay, so some deadlines have to be met because it is what it is. But there's there's always that pressure of, I got to get this done. I got to do this. I got to be here by a certain mm-hmm. time. And, you know, what if my leader walks in and, you know, I'm supposed to be on one topic and I'm a topic behind? What mm-hmm. do they say about pacing? I think it's so important for what you're saying for leaders to take in what you're saying about how they can approach teachers as far as, look, not everybody's going to be able to do things at the same time. And Mm -hmm. especially because if they're taking your advice and taking a break sometimes from the curriculum to make sure that the students are doing well, Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's valuable information for leaders and teachers alike. Yeah. And something that you said just reminded me as well, like my first few years of teaching, I was that teacher that was scared to do anything but curriculum at any point in the year, because in my mind, I was like, what if so-and-so walks in and they're like, what are they doing in that classroom? And I think you definitely have to get comfortable yourself with doing things that are away from the curriculum if you need to, 
but also the leaders are kind of the ones that provide that mentality that it's okay to do that. So it took really me getting comfortable with it, but also my leaders really reminding us that it's okay to not on October 7th, yes, we're into the school year at this point, but it's okay if I walk in and you're not teaching ELA, because if you can explain to me why you're doing what you're doing, I trust that you're doing what is best for students. So I really think it does take a level of a teacher getting comfortable with it themselves, but I do think the leaders need to constantly remind teachers as well that if I walk into your room, as long as you can explain why you're doing what you're doing, do your thing. Because you may walk into my room and most of the time I will be doing something with ELA, but you may walk in on a random day and we're not doing something ELA related, but I can explain to you why we're doing what we're doing. And I think that's so important. Awesome. I You just opened up a whole nother topic about getting comfortable with yourself and getting comfortable in your own skin. I do want to, I do want to address how teachers can go about getting comfortable with themselves because leaders need to do that too, if they're going to send that message out. But um, Uh I just want to take a couple minutes and hear from our sponsors first. All right. And we're back with Carrie. And before we took a break, Carrie, you know, you, you brought up something really important, the idea of being comfortable with ourselves first so that if if we're teaching mm-hmm. in a classroom we're confident enough and comfortable enough with ourselves and how we're delivering curriculum and what we're doing and how it attaches that we're not worried about an administrator or something like that walking in and you know on the flip side of that i think i think leaders have to be comfortable enough with themselves so that they can model that mindset to teachers and mm-hmm. not be worried about that but that doesn't always happen. We we know that that takes right. a little while. Do you have any advice or strategies that teachers could use to become more comfortable with themselves or to get to that point where they can connect things and not worry about being judged for it? I think the main thing is just always knowing the why behind what you're doing and having an explanation ready for why are you doing said thing. So for instance, last year, I had a class that I had eighth and ninth hour and they were students who like academically struggled with ELA. Um, It was my co-taught class. It was a long afternoon. They were ready to go home. It was just a very challenging time to have that group of students. And what we would do at times is my co-teacher and I, we would have students when they're working on things, if they were productive during a core of the working time, we would give them some free time at the end of the day. And in that 90 minute block, we would say, if I can get, you know, 70, 80 minutes out of you, then I'm going to give up that 10 minutes and let you have that free time. Because we offered that, we just got 70 minutes of work time out of you that we probably would not have gotten otherwise. And for me, I always thought, what if somebody walks in and says, why are your kids just running around with free time? But for me, I had the explanation of my why and why it was so important for me to give that to my students. And I think part of it comes with time. I think you, someone could have told me this my first or second year of teaching and I would have been like, yeah, okay, I'm not doing that because I needed the curriculum. Um, So I definitely think part of it is always going to come with time. But I also think part of it is as long as you understand why you're doing what you're doing and are ready to explain that if needed, then I think you are more comfortable to go outside the box. Even though you may never have to explain the why behind it, in your mind, knowing that you have the explanation ready makes it so that you're more comfortable to do 
what you feel is best for your students. You know, it's interesting that you said, oh, even though you may never have to explain what you're doing, but how powerful is that to know your why for every single thing you're doing? Mm-hmm. It is very helpful because then you it makes you that much more comfortable doing what you're doing. If, I mean... Right. And even if you don't have to explain it, right? Um, it's it's mm-hmm. funny because when we talk about whys, and I mean, there's a lot of talking about whys when we, when we look at goals or values or mm-hmm. mission statements. And it's interesting how many people don't have a personal why just for education or they, mm-hmm. or they say they do. And just out of curiosity, you say, hey, so what's your why? And they kind of fumble around with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think it's really, I think it's really important. Uh, especially for teachers to have that personal why. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Whether it be for why you are a teacher or why you're doing what you're doing on a given day, I think the why is kind of the foundation for anything that comes after. It's, and it's funny because we had, so I I did an activity with my staff um, because we're talking about the vision of the graduate and things like that. And so I started with everybody's individual why and knowing that stories are more powerful Mm my end game was to come out with a story or a couple of stories that would illustrate the why, the collective why of our whole faculty. And mm-hmm. to hear some people's, some of the people, the the whys they put forward. And when they started to really play with that, it caused a great deal of reflection. So I, I think that's yeah. super important to to do. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. I think some people don't, remember to think about their why at times. And I think it's always good to come back to that and always have that in your mind so that you know why, why you're doing what you're doing. Right. And now how valuable would that be? And I I don't know if this goes on in your school or anything like that, but how valuable would it be for teachers, for their leader to consistently put their why out there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think that would be, I mean, on top of the modeling piece and everything, if, if, their emails had their why in it. If they're mm-hmm. maybe even in the signature, or maybe if they send out like an internal newsletter, mm-hmm. um, if they had their why on it. Do you think that would help teachers move forward with the idea of taking risks? I think it could help because I think that when you see somebody else share their why, then it makes you think about, wait, what is my why? And then it gives, it kind of informally prompts you to think about your own why without even directly asking. Cool. So, we're getting near the end of the podcast, and I ask two questions of everybody that comes on. Okay. The first one is, if you weren't an educator, if you weren't in education, who, not what would you be? Oh, this is a tough question. I, I feel like I, my identity is the teacher. I've wanted to be a teacher my entire life since I was in kindergarten. I think I knew I wanted to teach middle school since I was in middle school myself. Um, so who am I if I'm not a teacher? I feel like Whatever I do in my life, I constantly want to help people and inspire them and just be somebody that is there to help other people. So I think the core of like who I am and what I do, no matter what job I have in my life, I love to be that person that is there to help people and there to inspire them and help them want to be better. And I think naturally the role that I have on the Teach Better team and my role as a teacher and just all the things I do in my personal life kind of come from that passion. So I think that is probably how I would describe like who I am at my core. 
I was going to say, it's a good thing you're a teacher then. <laughs> yes, I know. I think that's the best job for having that quality. <laughs> yeah, if you're all about helping people and inspiring people, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you in a seventh and eighth grade classroom, that's for sure. Yes, yeah. And I think like everyone at their core wants to help other people. And I think honestly, every job in our society in some way or another is to help other people. But I think it's kind of the combination of helping people and inspiring people is what kind of led me toward the path of education. What's the most important piece of advice uh, you'd like to leave with us to help leaders better support, engage, and empower those they lead? I think the most important thing is just being authentic and realizing that you don't always have to have the answer. I think sometimes there's this incorrect notion with anyone who's in any type of leadership role that when they're asked a question or approached with an obstacle, that they have to be the one to solve it and have an answer. And I don't think that's always true. I think whether you're the teacher in the classroom, in that instance, you are a leader. If you're an administrator, if you're a department chair, whatever, anything in life that you're a leader of, I think if somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, it's okay to say, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. Or let me chat with someone who maybe knows a better method than I would. Um, So that's probably just my overall thing is just being authentic and realizing that you don't have to have the answers and it's okay to work together with other people to figure out the best course of action to solve a problem or just just to get by. That is fantastic advice for anybody from leaders down to students. Yes. So thank you very much for that. Yes. You, um, you've said a lot today that I think is really useful to every area in the, in the school. If people want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, Carrie, what's the best way to do that? So I am on Instagram and I am on Twitter. My handles are the same. It's just at Miss Pitstick. So M-I-S-S and then Pitstick, P-I-T. S-T-I-C-K. Those are the two social platforms that I am the most active on with educational related content. I also am available at carrie at teachbetter.com via email if anyone is interested in just chatting more or wants to connect in a way other than social media. Awesome. Thank you very much. And again, Carrie, thank you for taking the time coming on and, and sharing some of these great things with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.